Welcome to Impact Powerhouse, the podcast that explores game-changing innovations and their global impact. In today's episode, we delve into an insightful article titled after emulating Chinese business models. Indonesian Startups Seek Success Abroad, written by Putu Agung Wijaputra and published on October 23, 2019, on the Compass List website. This article highlights how Indonesia has successfully adapted and expanded upon the business models that led to the creation of unicorns in China. Indonesian startups are venturing beyond their borders, aiming to export their own innovative solutions to the rest of Southeast Asia and beyond. Join us as we examine the dynamic journey of Indonesian startups and their quest for success on the global stage. Discover how these ventures are making an impact and driving positive change across borders. Indonesia's five unicorns, Gojek, Ukalapak, Tokopedia, Traveloka and Ovo, may seem to be the most successful startup ideas the country has produced so far. Yet, there is also a sense of déjà vu. That's perhaps not so surprising. After all, the business models underpinning these unicorns were first hatched in China. O2O on-demand services, e-commerce marketplaces and digital payments are some of the key models developed and defined by Alibaba and Tencent that were later adapted and took root in Indonesia and other parts of Southeast Asia. Most famously, the so-called Super App, exemplified by Tencent's omnipresent WeChat, is today ubiquitous in urban Indonesia, thanks to the expansion of ride-hailing rivals Gojek and Grab. Taking into account success stories from China, startups in Southeast Asia have been adopting Chinese business models and localizing them according to each specific Southeast Asian country. Carissa Adelaide Salim, associate at Ventura Discovery, the seed investment arm of Ventura Capital, said, Notably, many have gone to great lengths to understand local cultures and demands to achieve quick market penetration and brand loyalty, she added. Southeast Asia's socio-economic situation mirrors China's in many ways. Both regions have experienced massive economic growth fueled by industrialization. Lack of infrastructure development in years past was followed by rapid proliferation of internet and smartphone connectivity, allowing digital-based businesses to leapfrog conventional ones, a phenomenon most apparent in banking and financial services. This parallel development may help explain why similar business models have succeeded in both places. The comparable market conditions aside, more capital flowing into the region from investors seeking validated business models has also helped these local startups flourish. Alibaba demonstrated the viability of doing e-commerce marketplaces. So then investors bet on Southeast Asian companies like Tokopedia and Shepi, said Pamitra Weinke, president and co-founder of Indonesian agricultural technology startup Tani Group, noting identical trends in ride-hailing, fintech and, more recently, big data. Tani Group began as Tani Hub in 2016, before mainstream investors got excited about agtech. Then agtech became a hot topic because of China's Moake, Pamitra said referring to China's first agtech unicorn. 
The investors now see that the next big thing is AgTech, and so they're entering the space. In that sense, local startup founders may not necessarily be inspired by Chinese business models. But because investors often only start valuing certain new companies after their model is proven in China or elsewhere, these imported ideas have become the dominant force in the Southeast Asia ecosystem. Tannyhub sells fruits and vegetables to household consumers, whereas Meikei sells to restaurants. Both startups source their products directly from farmers. Like Meikei, Tannyhub has begun establishing its own supply chain, starting by building its own packing houses and standardizing farming processes through close supervision and guidance of its partner farmers. Among Southeast Asian countries, Indonesia has been an ideal test bead for imported business models, as well as a target for overseas expansion. The country's growing population, currently around 260 million, and the diverse socio-economic conditions across the archipelago create many different niches and a big sample size with which founders can experiment, all while creating new sources of revenue. Startups from all over Southeast Asia have tried their luck in Indonesia. P2P lending startup funding societies, where users fund business loans and get quick returns, was established in Singapore, but it has successfully expanded into Indonesia under the Modolku brand. Meanwhile, Moxie, a Thai e-commerce platform for women's products, merged with Indonesian mother and child goods, marketplace Bilna to form Orami. Despite the many differences between each country's political, legal and socio-economic situations, Southeast Asian markets share similarities. Amitanand, managing partner and co-founder of regional VC Jungle Ventures, describes the situation on his company's website. A young middle-class woman in Singapore probably has more in common with her counterpart in Ho Chi Minh City, in terms of consumer profile, than with someone from a different socio-economic class in their own country. As a result, there is now a fairly homogeneous addressable market of about 200 million middle-class consumers in the top metro areas across Southeast Asia that didn't exist less than a decade ago. The similarities between these countries is also something that B2B startups can take advantage of. George Bornock, managing partner and co-founder of Ireland-based Accelerator Hatch, said Southeast Asia's aquaculture industry is a prime example of how founders and investors should focus on what the countries have in common. There are, of course, differences between countries in the region, but I don't think the problems in the industry are specific enough that you would say that one solution is only for Indonesia or any other country. If an entrepreneur develops a solution for aquaculture or farming in Indonesia, it is quite likely that you can take this to other markets, he said. In 2018, Indonesian startup Jela, which produces a sensor and data analytics system for shrimp farms, joined the first batch of Hatch's accelerator program. The company has since trialled its system in Malaysia, Thailand, Vietnam, China, India and Ecuador. Just as Indonesia has imported business ideas and become a proving ground, the country may be starting to turn into an exporter of startup ideas. 
Thanks to the success of its first unicorn Gojek, app-based motorcycle taxi services can now be found across Southeast Asia, although Singapore-headquartered Grab is currently slightly ahead in the game. But Gojek has taken its game plan farther afield, investing in ride-hailing startups Pathao and Safeboda from Bangladesh and Uganda, respectively, and is expected to replicate its in-app services model in them. Other Indonesian founders have considered expanding overseas, in part because the local market is already saturated and because foreign markets provide an opportunity to diversify their income streams and offset any losses at home. Overseas markets mean new untapped customers, presenting the company with a larger potential customer base and additional revenue, Ventura Discovery's Salim said. Expanding overseas is not an easy task for anyone, and Indonesian startups are no exception. Startups often have to expend millions of dollars to develop a new subsidiary, gain market share, and make any meaningful impact on a new market. Localization efforts go beyond translating the apps. Startups need to understand each country's unique culture, consumer demands, and regulatory landscape. Any company wishing to tackle these obstacles must recruit highly capable local staff and build teams that can run independently. In the end, however, even best laid plans could often go away. Salim stressed that startups going into new markets need to have the agility to learn and formulate new strategies. Even though you have conducted extensive research, sometimes the situation on the ground requires you to adapt and iterate your expansion strategy she said. That's a wrap for today's episode of Impact Powerhouse. We hope you found our deep dive into Indonesian startups both informative and inspiring. Check out the episode description if you want to read the full article published on compasslist.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it and subscribe to our podcast channel. Stay tuned for future episodes. Thanks again for tuning in to Impact Powerhouse today. And until next time, keep innovating and making a positive impact for a better world and a brighter future.